Welcome everybody to Keyword Crypto with the show where we, a couple of guys, talk about cryptocurrency things with cryptocurrency people. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we talk about things that are completely unrelated. Today, yes. we have special friend Bennett Tomlin. Bennett, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Glad to be here. So Bennett is a friend that we met basically through Twitter. It's kind of falling into the scene of not quite a no-coiner, but somebody who is involved in crypto, has a skeptical outlook on it, and one of the reasons that we want you on the show is one of your hobbies is tracking down frauds and scammers and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, you've been on a tear with that one guy who did the... Uh why don't you explain Kostecki. that one guy? What? So uh, you're talking about Jacob Kostecki? Yeah, yeah. Jacob slash Jacob slash a couple of other aliases. So he <laughs> yeah, let's is... just get into it. Yeah, let's start. Let's start <laughs> out with Jacob, whatever his name is. I'd, I've never even heard of this guy, but I've seen the tweet. So yeah. Yeah, yeah this so is he story. is a fugitive from Poland who tried to organize a cryptocurrency conference in Memphis called Massive Adoption. He ended up not being able to put on the conference because he said he didn't get enough sponsors or enough tickets, whatever, to afford the cost of it. And he said he'd start offering refunds. And he'd tell people who he had refunded, and he would do all of that. And so far, no one has said they've gotten a refund from him. He had a statement up on his website, which he then took down and never put the website back up. He also was running a pseudo-charity, which he called Sats for Students, where he solicited donations of cryptocurrencies with the goal of helping underserved students. Oh my god. Um, That's great. So, <laughs> and there was some oddities related to where the coins went after he solicited the donations. A bunch of them went through mixing services, ended up on exchanges, and so far there have been no updates on how much of that money has gotten to students. Hmm. That's If any at all. <laughs> I, My it's... guess is none has made it to students. <laughs> I, it, I'm... I'm I'm surprised that there isn't somebody at this point that is just like I'm collecting Bitcoin for you know one-legged kittens who have been separated from their mothers for from from birth because of cancer or something like that. It's just I this is or just quote I unquote heard, world peace. I'm collecting Bitcoin for world peace. Please send me Bitcoin. <laughs> so I'm so surprised at how often and easily this happens. I used to hang out in this Discord group that was kind of a bunch of traders. It was tw 2017. And one of the guys, everyone's completely anonymous in this group. And one of the guys in the group starts talking about this sob story. I don't even remember what it was about, but he was basically just saying that he needed money. And people started to send him crypto like because he had a good story. And he, of course, he disappeared. Of course, it was just a total scam. But it's amazing that this stuff still happens. And on the scale that you're talking about, like a conference, like a charity. Oh, and crazy. it's especially crazy because like he was selling tickets 
to this conference for 300 bucks a piece. And at one point he was promising that if you bought a $300 ticket, you'd get like a hotel room, $500 in crypto, a round trip ticket. Like the things he was promising were absolutely absurd and were never going to happen. What was oh the conference God. called? Was there a name for it? Massive Adoption. Massive Adoption. Uh, I guess, yeah. Like, like my question is, how do people who, especially in crypto, who, who claim to be the forward-thinking early adopters of the next protocol to save the world, yet they're still getting scammed like it's, you know, 1740, <laughs> like falling for the oldest tricks in the book. Like how these people who claim to be super intelligent and educated seem to be like the dumbest people on the planet half the time. Well, no offense, yeah. crypto people. Sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, unfortunately, it's a lot of people who, I mean, it's, it's a lot of desperation as well. You, you find cryptocurrency and you learn about it and you feel smart when you're learning about it because it goes outside your normal ways of thinking. So you think, oh, I'm a smarter person now. And then you lose all your money. <laughs> yeah. Basically. yeah. So, that- so bet. Uh, so Bennett, uh, tell us, set the stage for us. Like, w- w- how did you find yourself in crypto? I mean, if you're, if you're not really a crypto enthusiast, you don't, you don't trade or, or invest really. I think you said you had some, some small holdings, but if, if not that, then how did you find yourself in this community and why do you stick around besides that? It's just fun for you, I guess. Like when did you get into crypto? When did you discover it? Sure. So I remember reading and hearing about Bitcoin and Ether for years before like I got really interested just because I've always been interested in technology. And so you'd see articles surface whenever Bitcoin hit a new high value or there was a bunch of articles that came out when Ether launched and all of that. Um, and then... You're a data scientist mid- by trade, right? <laughs> yes. Um, mid-2017 <laughs> is probably when I really got interested in Bitcoin. That's when I remember reading the Bitcoin white paper, the Ether white paper, and a bunch of the other like major coins at the time, many of which have amounted to nothing, like uh, Augur, which had the rep token, or, uh, God, it's even hard to remember some of the tokens that were out back then. Ooh, shots fired, Augur. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and Filecoin. So, <laughs> Filecoin, I don't think, has even come out yet. It's just been that's in crazy. Like, <laughs> pre-mine forever or whatever. Yeah. 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 So anyway, keep going. I remember reading like um, the Bitcoin white paper and it's a very fascinating idea. Like you're reading it, the technology is fascinating, the way it avoids censorship is interesting and compelling, and it seems like a potentially useful tool. And then you read the Ether white paper and the idea behind this kind of distributed auditable computation is again compelling for certain use cases and then because you start to get interested you start to spend time in the crypto space and when you spend time in the crypto space you meet the people in the crypto space and the more (laughs) people you meet the more you realize that a lot of these people don't actually care about the ideals they espouse or the anything like that they're just in it to try to get that new high score they want bitcoin to hit a new all-time high they want to cash out and they want to eventually move back to Fiat and be able to spend their exactly. on a new Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think and it's so, that's that's you're you're totally 100% right. And I think that that money is not the only thing that people find in in this space. Obviously, there's the social capital of just getting a bunch of attention for being an idiot. 
<laughs> or like uh yeah i mean that's uh i mean crypto finally is no idiot she's actually really smart but she's somebody who found found a personality she was on our show two weeks ago she she found a personality she found an audience and that's her thing in crypto so it's like there's all different kinds of things that you can find here but yeah unfortunately a lot of people are just looking to move back to fiat in any way that they can yeah and so then probably around november i started to notice tether and that's what really drew me deeper and deeper into the space um started following like bitfinext and cast who you guys have had on your show and really looking into the history of Bitfinex, the history of Tether, and the more I studied the history of these various like uh, groups and people involved in crypto, the more you just find shady stuff, shell corporations, weird, almost like incestual corporate relationships, deceit, um, like it's... And so once I started to see that, I became disillusioned, but because of some quirk in my personality or something, I enjoy finding and looking into these shell corporations and these frauds and trying to track them down. And so once I latched onto Tether, that has absorbed a lot of my attention over the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> so you've uh, have you actually teamed up with uh, Cass at all? I know that you worked with uh, Kyle, who is also Kyle Gibson, friend mm -hmm. of the show. Yeah, um, Cass one of, and one I are yeah. One of our first uh, guests from the Vile game. Are, are you a self-proclaimed Vile gang member? I am friends with many of them, but I often fail to live up to the required level of vileness. I've been told <laughs> I can be too nice. Yeah, I think we're in the same yeah. boat, too. It's like, we've got our own little path we're following. But, um, I mean, even even your Twitter profile picture is just like, oh, <laughs> that's a smiley, friendly guy. That guy's think, not trying to scam me at all. That's, that guy's Twitter not profile, vile. <laughs> I think my Twitter profile picture has been photoshopped more than any other image on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and just like recently, the Juggalo clown uh, for that yep. Mike and Space did. That was funny. <laughs> that was. Um, but yeah, Cass and I are actually working on a book together about Bitfinex and Tether. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. So you have lots of information. I know Cass, you know, went to China to, yes, to investigate. Yes, he, he checked out their offices and found them empty or non-existent. Mm. Which, I mean, that's... that's uh, uh, you know, not not to defend Tether or, or Bitfinex in any way, but that's not necessarily um, an oddity. Like, yeah, how many, it's not unheard of. How many co corporations in, in America have, you know, a, a P.O. box in, in Rhode Island? Rhode Island, right? Rhode Island's a state? Yeah. No. Or just mm -hmm. a P.O. box anywhere. I mean, I there are lawyers no, no, I mean, there's, P.O. P.O. There's, boxes there's in one San Francisco with nobody. Yeah, you're right. No, no there's there's one state that allows... Uh, no, Delaware. Delaware's the Delaware, state where yeah. everybody incorporates out of Delaware and nobody has an office there just because they, you know, they have t you know, their tax structure allows for it in a certain way. And so you can just have a P.O. box there and run your entire corporation yeah, as a shell company Delaware, out of Delaware. Delaware is the easiest state to get a business license in. And there's yeah tax, so, some easier tax laws or something 
but uh, but yeah. So okay, so they could have an office. I mean, right now, no office has any people in it because everyone's working from home. <laughs> but in in China, yeah, they could have an office there, and there could be no nobody in it. That doesn't necessarily prove anything, like Michael said. No, it does. But but um, uh, but everything yeah. they else do, everything they else, everything else they do <laughs> is pretty pretty suspect. <laughs> okay, so we've been we've been uh, critical of Tether on this show. Uh, since like the very first show i think um but it's interesting uh, we love having you guys on who have done actually homework on it so what are there new developments i mean it's basically like there's been an investigation going on forever and even yeah. that one dude in poland was arrested um who is connected to tether or bitfinex i don't really remember what uh. that story was but i remember for 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 a brief moment it was like the internet stopped because it was like or the crypto internet stopped because so-and-so got arrested in Poland and he's connected to Tether and Bitfinex and it's all going to be out in a week and the price is going to crash but that never happened (laughs) no No. it didn't but there were also a lot of revelations revealed during that uh, New York Attorney General investigation and the other one is the uh, Southern District of New York who's investigating crypto capital which would be like even Manuel Molina Lee and Oz Joseph and Oz Joseph is the one who was arrested Um, yeah and so most of the new developments have come from that New York Attorney General case that's where we found out Tether was only 74% collateralized that's where we found out that Tether commingled their corporate funds with client funds that they were when they were under collateralized they were still paying out bonuses and salaries and stuff to their employees despite not having the backing that's where we found out that they invested their backing in Bitcoin according to their lawyer and so there were a lot of big revelations that came out there that I personally expected to have more of an influence both on Tether and on the market than they have ended up having. Well, I mean, I think it, it, it people say they want to um, break the connection to Wall Street, you know, the the cycles and, and, and not be, uh, what's the word for it? Where it, it where Bitcoin follows Wall Street. God, I'm blank on the word. Correlated? Um yeah, correlated. Thank you. Um, but Tether runs like a Wall Street company, and cryptocurrency runs like Wall Street, where just nobody cares. As long as number goes up, go up, they don't care. And it's interesting to be like they don't. You know, it's like the tech doesn't matter, the shadiness doesn't matter. The only time price is affected is when somebody's successful stealing and then dumps you know, from their hideout, wherever they are. Like what happened with, uh, what was it? Plus token or one coin or whatever it was. <laughs> the, 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 the Indian, the Ponzi. uh, brother and sister. Um, and it's just like, it's, it's, it's mind numbing to be, to get into a space with high hopes thinking, Oh wow. You know, here's technology, you know, the white papers, technology that can change the world. And then you realize, Oh no, they're just out for money. They don't care. <laughs> yeah they, yeah they have no morals yeah. there's also i mean that's it's kind of rampant through crypto i mean is is there anybody at this point who doesn't think that tether is a scam and and it blockstream employees seem to be quite passionate defenders of tether <laughs> and that but, may or may not be because digfinex the parent company of both bitfinex and tether invested in blockstream Right. So a- anyone who's defending Tether is either somebody who's connected to it 
or just knows that it's necessary in order to keep the price of Bitcoin high. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, that's all it is, right? I mean, that's, I, I just think it's crazy that everybody is like, you know, we want autonomy. We want to be our own bank. We want, <laughs> we want, uh, we, you know, we're anti-government or whatever. And we're okay with this illegitimate thing propping up our currency. I, I think one of the one of the best parts of American exchanges gaining uh, just g- gaining in, uh, in in market share is that they're all using USD instead of Tether. So uh, you know, and I guess Coinbase has created their own USDC, but they're under stricter regulations. Um, Binance US, I don't know if they use BUSD. Um, I think Bitrix does. But does Bitrix have one? I uh, know they use they know that they use Tether. Oh, they do. Okay, yeah. so I, I think they're mainly the only. One. I mean, and then Bitrix is is. I mean, they're they're so small. I don't know about Kraken if Kraken does, but I'm Kraken just glad to see. Kraken only has a US uh, Tether to dollar pair. They don't okay. trade Bitcoin against Tether. Okay, I mean, so I I feel like the more companies that use actual fiat versus digital digital fiat or i mean i i I guess that's not really a word but just uh (laughs) you know pegged pegged to the the u.s dollar tokens um it's so much easier to audit fiat Mm -hmm. because it's just i mean it's just easier and and because it exists well, it's just, it's there. It's numbers on the screen yeah. and, and you don't have to worry about like who printed it because you know who printed it. The U.S. government printed it. And so it's not like this, you know, you have to figure out how it was created. Like, I don't have to worry about, you know, Jesse Powell going into his backyard. Uh, he's the owner of Kraken and, you know, printing a million dollars in fake bills and then putting it on his wet, on, on his exchange. Like, I don't have to worry about that. Um, but with, with digital backed, um, things like tether you know it's just like we we don't we really don't know there is no way of knowing and 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 the lacks just like the shittiness that that led to 2008 and that is probably going to lead to 2021 you know 2020 2021 collapse is all just because of lack of oversight and (laughs) and crypto isn't and bitcoin isn't fixing that (laughs) so you uh, mentioned a couple things that i want to touch on briefly there's really not much stopping many of the fiat exchanges from trying to of running partial reserve basically because as long as everyone doesn't try to withdraw it once they still can appear solvent and functional and the problem that many of them have struggled with including bitfinex is maintaining banking relationships so that you're actually able to withdraw any of the fiat that's on the exchange kraken early on in their history was rotating through PayPal accounts super frequently to try to um, get withdrawals out. They were using employees' bank accounts, uh, friends of employees, to try to get withdrawals out. Like, um, a lot of these companies, even the relatively reputable Fiat ones, have done some odd things, like using a friend of an employee's PayPal account to send a withdrawal out, like Kraken's done. That's totally... That's crazy. Which, I mean, okay, so... just. To, to stick on Jesse Powell right now, and not to throw him under the bus too much, but I mean, he just tweeted, he tweets today, um, I am considering investing in certain emergency-related devices, 
and consumables. I intend to sell at 1,000% plus profit at a future date. The profit, the profit will reflect inflation, <laughs> opportunity, and carrying costs. Should I stock these supplies or will I be barred from making a profit? I mean, these are the kind of people who are now in crypto. Like, Is he being hypothetical there? It sounds like, it sounds I, like he's... I think he's being hypothetical because he... But I think he thinks it's okay. Oh, he definitely does. Because like, like, like most libertarians, they believe that they should be able to hoard medical supplies. And he, and he goes on later on when somebody rebuts him and he goes, well, the people who can afford to pay are the ones who deserve it, deserve, deserve to have it. Oh, God, of course well, he did. Essentially. I mean, we already went over this with, with Mike in Space when he was on the show. It's like, yeah, okay, you have the right to hoard stuff, and we also have the right to burn your house down to get those things back, <laughs> yeah. if that's the way it's going to work. Um, but, you know, we choose law and order because it's a more civilized way of doing things. Yeah. And I'm just, yeah. I'm just like, uh, I, he, goes, he goes, well, what's wrong with, with making with selling it for $10 instead of $1 like it normally costs. And it's just like, oh, because if people know that it costs $1 and then an emergency happens, they, they have enough money in their pocket to buy a couple for a dollar, not your inflated price. You know? And it's just like anytime you, you hoard life-saving goods, it makes you a horrible person. So what I was about to say, I think the easiest answer to Jesse's question is, sure, you might be able to get away with it, but it makes you a gigantic dick. Yeah, <laughs> it makes you a, like, pharma bro. What's his name? Uh, uh, Martin Shkreli. Martin Shkreli. Martin Shkreli. Oh, my God. That guy is just, like, begging to be an evil villain in a movie or something. He just uh, asked to get out of prison so that he can help with coronavirus research. Yeah. I'm so not why sure. Did he, why did he go to prison? Uh, I don't even know the story. All I know for, is... Like, m- for marking up pharmaceuticals. Well, I don't know, the, I don't know the, the exact reason, like the final legal reason, but it was because he was marking up life-saving uh, drugs, three like 3,000% okay. or something so like that. So he broke the, uh, the law. What, what's the law called? It's called the... Uh, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the show. It's um, price gouging or something like price that. Price gouging. Or? It's like price gouging. Ga- there's a price gouging law <laughs> in this country, and he broke it and he went to jail for it. So, okay. Yeah, law and order. But now I mean, he wants to t- get out so that he can help people. That's great. I mean, I'm not sure his how exact, his exact help him do it, but. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, his exact quote was I can, I can come up with a cure for this. You need to let me out because I'll be able to come up with a cure for it within a few weeks. <laughs> All right. So it, it'll I involve mean, gouging everyone. Yeah. You have these people who, they're, I mean, they just, I just don't think they were beaten up enough as a kid. Or maybe they were beat up too much. It's, it's one or the other, you know, and it's just like, so they, they, were, they were beaten up, they were beaten up too much as a kid, and this is their way to get back at the world. Or they weren't beaten beaten up enough, and they just think like they're the coolest, best thing in the world, and nobody brought him down a peg or two. You know, I don't think it has anything to do with getting beaten up. It's the fact that his mother didn't love him at all. That uh, is the real problem. That he can't feel love for anyone else. I actually feel sorry for the guy. Well, what I, else I mean, it could just be it could just be a genetic thing too. 
<laughs> Maybe yeah. his dad was a was a dick as well. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just genetically disposed to be a dick. <laughs> um, hey, so Bennett, I, I, you know, for somebody who who is in the peripherals of crypto, what percentage of people in crypto do you think are maybe not necessarily on the spectrum, <laughs> but have have some um, inability to to feel empathy for others? Because it seems oh. like it seems like this has been kind of a, a, a magnetic force to pull libertarians who don't have empathy for others. And I can't tell. I can't tell if all people in crypto lack empathy or people who lack empathy gravitate towards crypto. I think it's the second one. Because like crypto feels like it's numbers, it's solid, it's indisputable. Like, and so the kind of people who have difficulties reading the social gray areas and the minutia and all of that probably find it appealing to have a space where everything is cut and dried. You can look on the blockchain and see how much of whatever you have. And so I think those people end up attracted to it and then they make a little bit of money and they want to make more money and they just keep doing whatever it takes to keep making more money. I think that it's it's the it's a lot of the same people who are interested in like in the the industry of finance but they're also a little lazy too. So it's like, I don't want to actually learn how the traditional system goes because it's too complicated. I don't like it. And that traditional system hasn't allowed me to get rich so far. So, or in some yeah. cases, like uh, Phil Potter, who used to be the uh, chief strategy officer of Bitfinex, it did allow them to get rich. And then they decided to go in the New York Times and brag about how rich they were. And then they ended up having to leave the finance world and eventually go back to crypto. <laughs> yeah. So crypto has just got like, so many shortcuts in it. It's uh it's 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 uh it, it appeals to a different different type of swindler. Well, it really does well, feel like the wild west and the, and the gold rush and all that where it's just it's a bunch of pe- a bunch of people who see a lot of people who think they can get rich. And all the swindlers come out to take their money. Like they come out of the woodworks because they see a bunch of people who will buy snake oil. Mm, that's why we're here. This podcast. <laughs> full on snake oil. You're listening to it right now. Gotcha. You're, ing- you're ingesting the snake oil like Donald Trump's chlorine bleach right through an IV. <laughs> we saw this rush. We saw this rush in 2017 and we're like, now's our chance to get that audience. And we're now still I've got, poor. I've almost, got, I've almost got 300 followers on Twitter now. <laughs> got it made. I think the future is going to be fine. <laughs> Yeah, Bennett, how many how many like, how many uh, Twitter followers do you have? <laughs> who me? Like twenty six hundred yeah. or something? Oh wow! Okay, that's a lot. Uh, it's tw- it's the smiley 2, face. Two thousand people that. Yeah, <laughs> it's the smiley face. <laughs> when um when it comes to so we talk a lot about Twitter because that's kind of where like that's where we do our a lot of our engagement. You know, people t- talk about the show. That's where we find a lot of guests. Did you did you start tweeting and following on Twitter in the crypto space pretty much as soon as you got interested in crypto or was it later? Yeah. Were the two married? Um, so I started 
reading the white papers and stuff, and I'm like, well, this is interesting. So I uh, remember actually making the mistake of like Googling people to follow about crypto on Twitter or something like that, <laughs> and you got the uh, the predictable names, 2-Bit Idiot, and uh, Pomp, and Yusko, mm -hmm. and... Oh, God. I'm trying to think of them all. They, most of them have blocked me now. Ari David Paul of Block Tower and, like, all those yeah. people like that. And so I followed them, and then that's when I had the revelation I talked about before. Like, oh, no, the people in crypto. That's the problem. Yeah, it is very, it is very strange, like, that you get this scene of people who, like... I, there are times when I'm even convinced the person that I'm I'm reading is smart and knows what they're doing and cares about the world. And it's like, wow, this is crypto. Like, I gotta, gotta remember that. <laughs> can't forget yeah. that when I'm reading something. It's like all of this stuff shouldn't really require our attention that much. So if you're if you're new to crypto and you're listening to this, just remember, like, take this with a heavy grain of salt. Everything in crypto, like, there's. It doesn't matter how many followers somebody has, like they they could still be a total moron. And they probably are. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> I think I think a good a good thing to think about is assume everyone is like Tim Draper. Because I think I think he's a good a good uh, 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 like ideal of of what the crypto space is kind of built off of. A bunch of people who more or less had really rich parents allowed them to take a lot of risks and invest some money in some you know protocol that no one had heard of and now they're rich and they think that they can save the world and that they're the smartest people on the planet that's kind of what crypto is in my mind you know and then you just do yeah, bad maybe, take maybe. after bad take after bad take and everyone thinks you're a genius You've got those people, and you've got like the uh, the people who invested big super early, either because they wanted yeah. them to be able to purchase illegal things, or because they were believers in some of the ideals surrounding it. And so they purchased a yeah. thousand bitcoins, ten thousand bitcoins, or whatever back when it was super cheap. And now they're crazy wealthy, and because they're crazy yeah. wealthy, they think that their opinion is right. Because look at they made all this yeah. money. Exactly. Yeah, that's. That's pretty much what we're talking about. I mean, there's also the, I, uh, I think that I'm attracted to the crazy drama of the space because in 2017, 2018, so many people flooded to the wild west, to the gold rush of crypto, not because there were th there was, not because there was mad gains to be made on the charts, but because they saw okay, this might be my chance to actually get the attention, and that's really what I'm after. I mean, I think I think we do it. We do it really fast. I think we do have a few people like, you know, Roger Ver, who seem to actually have a, a goal in mind, and that's why he was such a, an avid evangelist. Even though, he, you know, things took a, a an interesting turn in the in the in the biography of of Bitcoin, <laughs> but. He doesn't seem like yeah. one who I, mean, I don't know. I, I I just I feel like there are certain people who are different, and you can see they're like they're like a dying flame, or like you know they they burned so bright and then it just didn't work, um, but they still try. And there's some people who are just like they're just they're just out to scam, and I and I don't. So I guess that's my question for you, Bennett: is 
when you see something like Bitfinex and you see somebody like Tim Draper and they're both kind of doing really shady, scammy stuff, like what what pulls you like towards wanting to write about Bitfinex and Tether and not, you know, somebody else who's who's big in the space? I guess at least part of it is because um, Bitfinex and Tether, it's easier for me to explain certain facts and point out details and discrepancies and stuff like that and allow people to draw their own conclusions with going after people like Tim Draper. Often it looks like you're doing it just to make a moral judgment, like the facts themselves can leave it so people are going to contest it, argue about it, whatever. The other reason I kept finding myself drawn towards Bitfinex and Tether is I would dig a layer deeper and find another shady person connected to it, like Brock Pierce. And I would dig a layer deeper and find Crypto Capital and dig a layer deeper and find Havelock Investments. And just, it felt like a never-ending font of shadiness. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I like I like so the idea of, like, it's, it's hard to, to morally attack somebody and if there's not a ton of data to back it up because and that's and i think that's that's something that a lot of these morally shady character people you know what they do is they specifically do things in a way where it's just kind of like ethically gray versus flat out illegal and it allows them that kind of veil of of uh, uncertainty and so attacking them kind of makes it seem like a personal attack or um so that, that makes sense. Also, if it's if it's just a guy who's scamming people, it's it's just not quite as interesting as multiple layers of conspiracy going on that keeps on. It's the it's it's the scam that keeps on scamming. It's the most <laughs> <Yeah>. interesting. <laughs> so what? So you uh so so you started getting into the Bitfinex Tether um, conspiracy, and was that kind of your first foray into? tracking down scams were there kind of side stories in there that were interesting or things that you that you found or maybe other characters that you had to look into sure so i was saying (laughs) um when you're looking into bitfinex and tether you don't need to dig very deep to start finding shady characters like the two founders of bitfinex are rafael nicolay and giancarlo devasini rafael nicolay you can find on his bitcoin talk account right before he launched bitfinex he was shilling a ponzi by uh Pirate 40, and Giancarlo Devassini got in trouble for selling pirated software. And then Bitfinex itself was started with a stolen Bitcoinica code when that exchange went under. Uh, you look over at Tether, founded by Brock Pierce, and he of course has the child sexual abuse allegations against him, and he also was associated with other problematic projects in the space like EOS. And then you uh, you try to look into JL Vanderveld, the CEO of Bitfinex and Tether, and that is tricky to do because there is not much about him. He worked for a uh, hedge fund called Perpetual Action Group Asia for a long time before becoming the CEO of Bitfinex and Tether, but it's hard to find much reference to him beyond that. And... Um, 
so this uh this this research that you're doing it's it's basically just kind of internet sleuthing yeah okay all um, right sorry sorry to 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 interrupt so it sounds like it sounds like one thing led to another and it and every so everything that you've been into has been related to bitfinex and tether a lot of it um some stuff i just come across randomly like uh Jacob Kostecki or uh, the Billion Coins project. That they what actually, is that? So oh, that's actually coin. that's an interesting scam. That's when I looked into with Kyle. Uh, it is a centralized pseudo cryptocurrency run out of Africa, and they claim to have that they're going to have a billion coins. And the way it works is you pay them a wallet activation fee. And then you are gifted a certain amount of Kringle coins. And then Kringle coins. to get more Kringle coins, you... Hold on, hold on, um, hold on. Can we just all take a moment and, and enjoy that name? Kringle, Kringle coins? coins? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> okay, sorry. It is pretty wild. Um, and then to get more Kringle coins. Oh, and so then the fundamental, like issue with it is they market it as what they call an abundance-based cryptocurrency and basically (laughs) because it's a very centralized pseudo cryptocurrency they will shut down your wallet if you complain about the billion coins project they will shut down your project if they think you bought sold traded or exchanged the cryptocurrency below their set price and so the set price is supposed to only go up and the way it does this is by collecting more wallet activation fees from your friends who you convince to join the billion coins project they pay their wallet activation fee the set price goes up you can then exchange your coins with the central exchanger the uh, issuer of these kringle coins and all is well oh my god so it's yeah. just yeah, it's just a flat out Ponzi, or I guess yeah, I know, I guess, it's, like, it's, it's, like, it's also more, a pyramid. Yeah, yeah. but there, there's more to it than just the um, pyramid scheme. So there's like the normal pyramid scheme stuff. They encourage the people who buy in to contact all their friends, and they've got like scripts like use one of these gifts to contact an old friend on Facebook as an icebreaker, then talk to them about how the billion coins project would be good for them. But um, what really set got me interested in them is they actually one of their bots replied to one of my tweets on Twitter once and was bragging about how each of their coins was backed by a grain of gold that they had a billion grains of gold (laughs) and Kyle (laughs) actually as soon as he heard that recognized a connection to this one cult called Indochino which is run by this guy called M1 the the suit company hold on on one second so (laughs) So, wait, so the billions cryptocurrency, which is a wallet activation fee with a referral, and that's how they build their Ponzi, they are related to a cult called Indochine. Indochine, we think they're related. It's, so, there's this one promoter of the Billion Coins Project named Dan Lutz, and he was also one of the promoters of the Indochino cult, and both groups make the same claim about the amount of gold they have, the billion grains of gold. And so that made us think that they're likely related, but it's always difficult to prove when you're looking into 
a poorly documented thing like this, where it's primarily set overseas and stuff like that. Um, but this cult is especially interesting, because their central selling point is that M1 has the royal blood of every royal family in history running through his veins. And he has legal claim to the fortunes of basically every single country because of that. And if you join his cult, he will forgive your debts from all the different banks and stuff like that. Wow. Now, what proof actually, of royalty. What actually happens is people join his cult. He gives his cult members a certificate saying your debt was forgiven. Take this to your bank. They take it to their bank. The bank goes, what are you talking about? They go back to M1. Then M1 sends some thugs in to threaten people at the bank and convince them to not try to collect the debt. And so... um, That's genius, actually. So it's really screwing over the bank. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and also your credit just, score, but <laughs> that was uh, one of the more fun scams I looked into because they literally replied to me on Twitter, and if they hadn't, I never would have heard of them, and I never would have written an article about them or anything like that. And so that was just a wild couple nights investigating that. You mentioned writing articles. Do you write articles on Medium then when you discover these? And like, how? Do, what's your method of reporting? Yeah, so I've got my own blog at benedeftomlin.com. I used to write on Medium, but I wrote about this one coin whose name I can't say because they threatened to sue me. So I wrote an article about which their is the crypto coin. way, by by the way. <laughs> yes, that's how you know you're hardcore crypto when you sue somebody. <laughs> it's amazing how often these people who claim to hate the state like to sue people. Yeah. Um, so I wrote an article about their coin, basically calling it a scam. They got it taken down from Medium. So then I mute it to my blog after that, and then they sent me. They threatened to sue me. Um. And after that, because Medium just took it down right away with no question, I stopped publishing anything on Medium. So everything just goes on my blog now. Nice. Cool. So that's uh, that's an ongoing thing that uh, you that you basically do as a hobby because you're interested in it. Yeah, and, I have fun doing want, it. You want you want to help people. Mm-hmm. The billions, the billions, Indochino, Indochino cult. Yeah, and they had. Some- I want to know more about what this cult did. They like wear funny underwear and stuff. Like, <laughs> <did> they- <laughs> I mean, uh, like whenever you attach a cult to something, it's fascinating. You get people to believe, like hardcore believe in something. Yeah, and, and uh, what you're doing sending thugs to go intimidate people. And That's- they had some wild claims on their websites, like that they were going to have a billion active users by the end of 2017, and just absolutely unbelievable things. Well, that's, I mean, if your name is Billions, and you, that's, that's I guess, that's how you get people to believe in you. It's a big, big number. Yeah. It doesn't sound that big anymore these days. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of billionaires. There's a lot of, <laughs> there's, what, six billion people in the world? Uh, More than that, like seven, seven or something. Eight. Seven? Eight. Seven or eight? Almost eight, yeah. I think. So what's do you another... Think, uh, really fast. Ben, do you think yeah. that um, the space is, is lacking like more interest in in self-regulation? Because they claim about self-regulation, mm-hmm. but when people like you and, and Kyle like really start digging in there, nobody wants to listen. 
Yeah, and that, that's one of my frustrations with the space, is you've got a space that preaches self-regulation, that preaches don't trust verify, that preaches all these different ideas, and then you try to be like, hey, if you guys are going to self-regulate, maybe you should stop these 500 exchanges over here that are all white-labeled from wash trading. Maybe yeah. you should... Uh, investigate the 74% back stablecoin. Maybe you should worry about these Ponzi schemes that are being run and and like that are soliciting investments from people new to the space. And the majority of people in the space don't really care what happens as long as number goes up. If I didn't know any better, it would kind of sound like it was a cult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is kind of culty. Except there's no focus to the cult. It's uh, number no, go up. No that's one, the focus. One, is that the leader right there? Is Satoshi at the, the top as, of the pyramid? Yeah. As long uh, as number go up, everyone's happy. That's that's the cult. That's the Kyle. Cult uh, Kyle loves to quote tweets. Quote tweet some of the more uh, cultish tweets from the thought leaders with the hashtag not a cult. <laughs> Yeah, I'm blocked. So think- I'm blocked by so many people. I couldn't get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you're blocked by more. Uh, probably. Do you think, you're you're uh, longer in the space, so. <laughs> do Sorry, you? Uh, I mean, does you do your does your investigations like mostly lead to stories that you know that end up in your blog, or do you ever hear from newcomers that are like actually stoked that you turn that you revealed something that otherwise they may have invested in. I mean, I know that there's a lot of people who, you know, really got screwed uh, in the BitConnect scandal. And, like, I feel like one of the things about crypto is you get a lot of people coming in who want to, to turn their life around. You know, they're looking for a, a quick a quick, uh, quick money-making scheme, essentially. That's what they're, they're thinking. This is a new thing I can invest in. And, um, and that's such, that's such right. I mean, people who basically, these are people who are easily scammed. Uh, Richard Hart, for instance, said the, there's no way that you can actually teach these people not to get scammed. So he created his own scam that is less scammy than, than other scams. And he's like, <laughs> Hey, pay attention to my scam because I'm not going to scam you. Like, yeah, I'm not going to disappear on you or whatever. And I thought that was an interesting approach, but if you're out there, to you know uncover this stuff do, do you i mean are you ever really doing it for the newcomers are you trying to help people are you and how and if so like how do you get it out there how do you do that i mean i my goal would be to help more of those people and that's why i write the articles i do that's why i'll publicly challenge a lot of like the very popular thought leaders and stuff when they're saying uh absolute bs like uh i remember what finally got me blocked by pomp was um I was arguing with him in a comment thread once and he said, Oh yeah, well I've said all ICOs are going to zero. And so I quote tweeted it and listed all the ICOs in his investment fund. And then he blocked me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Classic. I, (laughs) I, I try to challenge some of these people and write these articles to get this information and stuff out there. But I mean, I do have relatively small reach here. I've got 2,600 followers or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I got a lot of those because like I would call out 
Coinbase for something kind of shady they did, like their connection to Bitfinex. And so a bunch of Ripple people would follow me um, back when Ripple wasn't on Coinbase because they were mad at Coinbase. And then I would go after Ripple and a bunch of Bitcoin people would follow me (laughs) because they hate Ripple. And then I would talk about Ethereum and a bunch of Bitcoiners (laughs) would follow me because I was criticizing Ethereum. And so like... (sighs) That's I've got to know that that's a that's a tactic for getting yeah, followers. Yeah, just criticize Talk shit everything. <laughs> well, it's because well, it's, it's mean, totally I'm, true. Because like Jack does that. Jack's like, oh, only Bitcoin, only Bitcoin, and and it you know it comes out that his his companies are like supporting ICOs that aren't going to be run Who is on this? Bitcoin. Jack, Jack Dorsey. Oh, Jack Dorsey, right. So one of my criticisms of the Vile Gang, and I hesitate to criticize Vile Gang because I don't want anyone coming after me, but uh, (laughs) I I feel like, I mean, I I feel like oftentimes the purpose is is very like kind of self-congratulatory. Like, uh, look look at these idiots that I'm exposing and look at these idiots that are falling for this scam. But it's, a lot of it seems to be made for people in the space who are already seeing that or you know it's like 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 carbon based kind of like when we when he was on our show we asked him like michael said straight up like what what is the future of cryptocurrency what's the ideal future of cryptocurrency look like to you and he kind of didn't like the question i mean it was like um uh, because I, I don't know because maybe he was just doing it to get t- attention or I mean, he's, <laughs> he he said that he actually said that he was hoping that newcomers would follow him and i do believe that this is true he hoped newcomers would follow him because of his outrageous trolling and that they would then see a different side of crypto than the pomp moon lambo everything is going to go up because of math or whatever and like I, I, I want to believe that, but I also feel like sometimes the people in the space who are digging up this stuff, it's kind of like, it's just making content for the sake of making content. Well, that's, I, that's, I mean, uh, that's why I was glad that, that you came on Bennett, because I feel like you're definitely not vile in that sense. Because I feel like your stuff and, and Kyle's stuff, it's not about personally attacking people. It's about like really digging for the truth. And that's why I, you know, I was excited to to talk with you about that. Yeah, and um, just to give us a little bit more context. Davis does definitely, uh, Carbon does definitely love to troll and make pretty outlandish jokes and stuff like that. But he also has done um, some more original investigative work and stuff like that. Like uh, like the uh, Sats for Students charity run by Jacob Kostecki I was talking before. He reached out to a bunch of people in the space who had donated and like got the wallet addresses that they had sent their crypto to, looked them up, followed it on the chains, and did like a lot of that legwork. And um, some of the other Uh-oh. stuff. Oh, like- hold on, hold on, hold on. We don't want to give people the wrong impression that Carbon Base is actually an ethical person. That would that would ruin his reputation. <laughs> so and like yeah, a lot of the jokes you'll see the vile gang make aren't gonna help newcomers out because they're inside jokes or they rely on like a great deal of insider baseball knowledge of crypto basically you have to recognize the people involved what they've said before and all this past knowledge that a lot of people don't have 
But I think a lot of them are not necessarily doing it to help people out, but because it's fun to lampoon the pompous self-promotion of a lot of the thought leaders or just to point out their object failures to live up to any decent code of morals or their inability to run profitable businesses without stealing from someone. And it's just, after you've done all this work investigating these and looking into these, it feels gratifying to take these shots at these people who you see doing these kind of things. I'm sure. And I, I actually think that, I, I think that the, uh, um, that Davis is, I think that he's right in that he's, he's helping to create this community or part of the crypto community that sees crypto in that way. And so I do think that we, if we have that conversation going, that's parallel to the uh, Bitcoin maxi uh, dialogue or monologue in, in their case, most of the time, but like you have that going and you come into crypto and you're like, oh, I love this new space. Maybe I can make money here. I like the technology. I like the ideology. And this, this uh, carbon-based guy is really funny. I'll follow him too. And all of a sudden, it's, it's like every single day you get a new absurdity of how terrible the place is. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and it might stop you from investing in the next BitConnect because CarbonBase got there first. <laughs> and so I think want, there is... And you don't <laughs> want him to turn on you if you start shilling BitConnect. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, or just like you know, you think you think one of these crypto influencers is actually a good one, and then, and then lo and behold, Carbon gets a hold of them too, <laughs> and then it's, yeah, um, yeah, you 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 know, M Michael's right. You don't really have the same. You're not as much of a troll, I would say. I I, um, I, I am sometimes. I've definitely pushed the well, line. We all, and yeah, it is Twitter. <laughs> I've been trying to back away from it a little bit because there was a period where I was I was probably a little bit obnoxious on Twitter where I was almost like trying to get blocked. I'd go after the people who I knew were doing bad things but then I would reply to every or half of their tweets pointing out their hypocrisy and stuff. And I moved away from that just because I didn't really find it enjoyable anymore. But historically speaking, I am definitely... Uh, not without flaw in this space. <laughs> well, that's a good so, that's a good uh, uh, way of looking at yourself. You know, self analyzation. You're you're already like ninety nine percent ahead of most other people in the crypto <laughs> space that you can that you're actually self aware. <laughs> so I wonder if we have time for one more uh, little anecdotal story about uh, someone that you followed. Oh, we talked about billions we talked about tether we talked about um the uh mass adoption um let's talk about let's, coinbase let's talk about coinbase so sure. what do you know about coinbase bitfinex was hacked in 2016 and it was one of the biggest hacks in history and after the hack they gave everyone the 36 percent haircut issued the bfx token eventually issued the rrt token but what a lot of people don't know is that at this time coinbase had bitcoins on the bitfinex exchange 
And as soon as Bitfinex proposed this haircut, Coinbase had their lawyers get on the phone with Bitfinex and said, you are absolutely not taking 36% of our holdings here. And so they didn't. Coinbase never got a haircut from Bitfinex. And so in a sense, if you had Bitcoins on Bitfinex at the time of the hack, Coinbase made it so you actually got a bigger haircut than you had to. Wow. Whoa. Thanks, so Coinbase. That was, in, that, that was in 2016. So that was right when, when Coinbase was starting to pick up steam. Yeah. Coinbase, Coinbase launched in 2014 or 20, I think it was 2015, actually. I, I think it was 2014 towards the end oh, they really? launched. Okay. I'm just glad I don't use that, that exchange anymore. They, they just rape and pillage with fees. I mean, the, the amount of fees they have are just so high. And, and they kind of set a standard for what was acceptable, that, that what people would pay. They kind of yeah, set sucks. the market rate. And a lot of other places like Cash App, which is another Silicon Valley um, project. You know, they Cash have, App is, is uh, that's Jax, right? That's yeah, Jax. that's Square. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they, they kind of have similar fees now that uh, kind of match uh, Coinbase. And so that's why Gemini's I pretty close. Yeah, that's why I switched over to Binance US. Even though CZ does some shady things every once in a while, for the most oh, part, man. every just, once in a while, it's just the fees. You know, it's just like I can't handle all those crazy fees. And so, how do you stay? How do you stay uh, shady and in the limelight at the same time? <sighs> to be like a, is, a rock star of crypto and be super shady. Is like that's why he's a gotta cult like, leader. Got to hand it to him, man. Yeah. I'm like kind of like, yeah, you must wake up really early in the morning to do all that shady business before you go and do your, 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 God's work. As long as you tell people you funds are safu, then people will bend over wow. backwards to let you be as shady as you want. As long as your money doesn't get touched, that's all I that mean, matters. He he has had a pretty secure uh, exchange for a long time, so yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, the funds have always been Safu, right? There's never been an unSafu moment with Binance. Yeah, I don't think anybody's They've taking a haircut. They've never had to do a haircut or anything, no. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, That's pretty funds impressive. Funds have always been Safu. They've never had to do a haircut. Yeah. <laughs> these, these, these sentences. <laughs> That'll be a, the, the, maybe the title of this episode. Yeah. If you <laughs> don't know, so any of our listeners, Safu means your funds are safe. If, if, they, get, if they get stolen off the exchange, Binance will yeah. pay, will give you 100% of your money back out of their own funds. It was Which, a typo, right? Is that's where Safu comes from? He meant to write safe, and it ended up yeah. Safu. It's just like everything in <laughs> everything Twitter. In crypto. Uh, everything in, in crypto is a uh, is actually just a typo. It's bad English. Which, <laughs> for the record, back in like 2014, before the two times Bitfinex got hacked, they also promised that they would cover any hacks out of their corporate funds. And then they yeah. got hacked big, and that was no longer true. Yeah. Mm, so okay funds funds are only safu until until they're they're not not. (laughs) yes (laughs) Yes. safu until they're not right and i think i mean uh, well uh mount gox was uh, seemed like a pretty secure um site for a long time and people used it people left their money there wasn't uh roger bear the one who said it was safe I don't know, but Ooh. that sounds like something he would say. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get him on the other side and ask him. Uh, if, you, if you are in crypto, the dumbest thing that you can ever say is an exchange is, is, an exchange is safe. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's famous last words. 
All right, let's wrap this up. So, Bennett, how can people follow you? You mentioned your blog, but let us know what it is again. Yeah, so I blog at BennettFTomlin.com, and that's two T's in Bennett. And you can find me on Twitter, at BennettTomlin. So that's three T's in a row, unfortunately. And <laughs> that's the only place you'll see me talking about crypto. You're nice. No YouTube channel, no Instagram, uh, just just <laughs> Twitter and the, and the blog. You're not, e- you're not an e-boy on the side. Is. I don't even want to see what crypto Instagram looks like. Yeah. Crypto Instagram, I have never seen it. It is probably pretty bad. I mean, I don't even... I, yeah, I don't know. Twitter is, is bad enough. I don't know if we need another... I, I keep my Instagram account far away from anything related to crypto. I have to kind of compartmentalize my life. Yeah. And we'll have, uh, right, we'll have Bennett's info in the show notes, so... Yeah. Just in case all you're right, driving. Let's wrap it up here. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you, Bennett, and we'll see you all yeah, next thanks, time. Yeah, thanks, Bennett. Thanks everyone. Thanks for having me on, guys.